You're listening to the J. John Podcast, a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to give you confidence in your faith and boldness to share it with others. We're in the middle of a little mini-series on faith, hope, and love. Last week, we looked at faith. Today, we're looking at hope. Next week, we're looking at love. If we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. The optimist sees the donut. The pessimist sees the hole. If you can't change your circumstances, then change your perspective on your circumstances. We're focusing, as I said, on hope. And we're going to look at a story. It's one of my favourite Bible stories, actually. The Emmaus Road story from Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. And my wife, Killy, is going to read the story. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there these last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing record. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, 
Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognised him as he was breaking the bread. As I've pondered this story, I think these are the, the truths or the principles that we need to draw from them. In the Emmaus story, we see confusion, disappointment, despair and hopelessness. And we read in verse 17, sadness written across their faces. And then we read in verse 21, we had hoped he was the Messiah and had come to rescue Israel. There's this despair and despair distorts our perspective. And that is so true. Whenever we're discouraged and a bit of despair, it will distort how we see things. So here in this story, we've got Cleopas and his companion. And they've got all the pieces of the jigsaw, but they either can't or they won't put the pieces together. And I think that's true for us. Sometimes we can't put the pieces together or we won't put the pieces together. Now, they can describe the ministry of Jesus. And we read in verse 19, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. So they can say great things about the ministry of Jesus, but what they forget to say is that Jesus is God. You see, that is the big piece of the puzzle. If you doubt that, then everything else doesn't fit. They are moving the jigsaw pieces around, but they have no idea of the picture. Many, many years ago, I went to a selection conference for ministry and uh, it was quite a painful experience. I was young, of course, very enthusiastic, very passionate, very zealous for Jesus and global evangelization. And I was not recommended for ministry. And I felt disheartened and, and an element of despair because I felt that that was the right way to go. Another of my friends, he also went forward to be selected for ministry and he was turned down. But one of the selectors said to him, if I had 1000 applicants, I can guarantee you that you would never get in you that you are unsuitable for ministry. Well, that friend of mine is now the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. 
You see, we don't need to despair. We don't need to be discouraged. And I, I'm reminded of what Jesus said. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. So I think sometimes God allows these hindrances, but as Romans 8 verse 28 says, he can work all things for good. And I've been in the ministry for 41 years and I'm doing what God has called me to do, which is the ministry of being an evangelist. One of my great heroes, the evangelist George Whitfield said, let us never despair while we have Christ as our leader. So let me ask you this, is Christ your leader? Because if Christ is your leader, you don't need to despair. Now, what follows in the story, as I've pondered it, are three things. Investigation, explanation and revelation. So let's look at these three. First one, investigation. First, Jesus asks them questions. So we read in verse 17, why are you discussing things so intently? You see, Jesus gets them to explore their doubts. What's the problem here? What are the facts? You know, because it was obvious they were ignoring the facts. Creating hope is like building a house. You have to excavate a foundation first and deal with any underlying problems. Investigation. Now we move to explanation and we read this in verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus takes them back to the scriptures and he reminds them what they should have known. Jesus does a discovery course with them. I mean, can you imagine, you know, doing a Bible study with Jesus Christ one-on-one? -on -one? I mean, it must be incredible. And Jesus, the passage tells us, took them through the Old Testament and probably took them through most of the 322 prophecies about him. And the, the passage says it was a seven mile walk. So obviously there was plenty of time to discuss and do this one-to-one -one Bible study, which I find absolutely fascinating. So 
we've had investigation, we then had explanation. And Jesus has helped them, but even though those two things, investigation and explanation, are helpful, they are not enough. What they need is revelation. And in the same way, you and I, yes, we need investigation. Yes, we need explanation. But what do we need in addition to those two things is revelation. And so we read, verse 28, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, I love that word, suddenly, when it comes up in scripture, you know, it's like suddenly. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. With this, everything becomes clear and despair vanishes and replaced with hope. Now, John Wesley, he found his Emmaus Road experience in London on May the 24th in 1738. And he wrote in his journal, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street in London where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. I love that phrase that he uses in his journal. My heart was strangely warmed. Revelation. Wesley was a clergyman, but he didn't know Christ personally. I mean, to be honest, that totally baffles me. How can you be a clergyman and not know Jesus? But he did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, we can know about Jesus, but that doesn't necessarily mean we know Jesus. Wesley needed revelation. And through the reading of a preface to a commentary on Romans, he heard the voice of the living Christ and in it he found salvation. 
We need biblical understanding, but we also need spiritual revelation. Can I encourage you in this new year to gain more biblical understanding? My wife and I, we follow the Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan. And uh, you can just Google and you'll, you'll find the plan. And he was a remarkable uh, preacher in Scotland. And he devised this Bible reading plan where you read two chapters in the morning, two chapters in the evening. And if you stick to, to the schedule, in a year, you'll read through the Old Testament once, the book of Psalms twice, and the New Testament twice. If you don't have a reading plan, can I encourage you? Why don't you do that this year? Start, start today and say, I'm going to work through the scriptures. I'm going to read the whole of the word of God. I'm going to absorb the word of God. And as you read it, pray, not just for biblical understanding, but pray for revelation. So what happens here? Hope is announced. And we read in verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? Isn't that interesting? You know, slightly different words, but the same meaning as John Wesley his heart was strangely warmed, but now we're reading their hearts, didn't they burn within us? It's the same. You've got this revelation that's tangible within. As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. See, the conversation was about the scriptures. And when you talk about the scriptures, your heart can be strangely warmed and within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said the Lord has really risen he appeared to Peter then to the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were talking and walking along the road and how they had recognised Jesus as he was breaking bread. Hope renewed. And they decide to act and to tell. Because it would have been very easy to say, oh, you know, we've just, we've just had a walk, a seven mile walk. We're a bit weary. We're a bit tired. Oh, why don't we have a meal? Why don't we stay the night and then go in the morning? No, sometimes when you encounter the truth, you have to act and you have to speak and you mustn't delay. I like it where it says in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, it says, hope is the anchor of the soul. Because Jesus is a man, he feels what we feel. Because Jesus is God, he can do something about it. 
I just want to reaffirm that particular truth to you today and this year. Because Jesus is a man, he feels what we feel. He knows. He empathises with what you're feeling. But because Jesus is God, he can do something about it. Sometimes God permits what he hates and he uses it to accomplish what he loves. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in John 16 verse 33. In this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. What a good word for us as Christians that there will be battles but take heart don't be discouraged. I love the words of Saint Augustine. This is my favourite of all Saint Augustine quotations. Trust in the past, the mercy of God. Trust the past to the mercy of God. Trust the present to the love of God. Trust the future to the providence of God. Past, present, future. Trust, take heart. There's a beautiful hymn. It is called, It is well with my soul. Sometimes when we sing songs or we sing hymns, I, I'm, I'm always intrigued. I want to know, well, what's the story behind that? And um, if it's available, the information, I, I always dig it and find it. Well, let me tell you what the background is to this. In 1873, a man received a message from his wife who had sailed with their four daughters to Europe. And he was going to join them later. But the message that he received simply said, saved alone. She and the girls had been in a collision at sea and their ship had gone down and all four daughters had died. And it was just the latest in a whole series of incidents that had happened. Three horrifying years for the family. They had lost their son in 1870 and then a fire ruined them financially the following year, all before the accident at sea. The man was called Horatio Spafford and as he crossed the sea to meet his grieving wife he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, 
when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. It is well. What could anchor the mind and the heart of a man in tragedies like these and free him to sing well, it is well with my soul, when everything he had was lost. The hope in his hymn was Jesus Christ. We all have a great need for Christ and we all have a great Christ for our need. Can I encourage you, if you haven't yet received Jesus or you want to recommit your life to Jesus and put your hope in him, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I bow before you now. I know I have done many things wrong and I thank you that you died on the cross for me. Cleanse my life. I open my life to you now. Come in by your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power, your presence and your peace. I put my faith and hope in you. It is well with my soul. May you strangely warm my heart now by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. A prayer for you. For every person that's prayed that prayer, I pray that their hearts will burn within them now with the fire of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, fill them with hope, fill them with faith. And those that need a healing miracle this day, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would experience healing in body, in mind and in spirit. I pray God's blessing upon you, the blessing of God, the Holy Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would be blessed, blessed with faith, blessed with hope, and be a channel of that blessing to other people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I trust you've been blessed today and I pray that you will continue to be a channel of blessing to other people. Amen. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Heroes of the Faith is a new podcast by J. John and his wife, Killy. 
Sign up today to hear the incredible stories of some of J. John's heroes of the Christian faith and the lessons we can learn from their lives. Hear about Harriet Tubman, who after escaping from a life of slavery in the USA, went on to rescue over 300 other slaves. John Bunyan, whose book, The Pilgrim's Progress, has sold more copies than any other book other than the Bible and inspired millions of people around the world. George Muller, who helped tens of thousands of children whilst leaving a lasting legacy of trust in God's provision. Ever wondered who saved more lives than anyone else on earth? Listen to the story of Edward Jenner, the Christian doctor who discovered vaccination. With a new story to be told each week, sign up now to hear J. John's Heroes of the Faith.